Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Parenting Today. Hope you guys had a good weekend. Kurt, did you have a good weekend? I did have, I guess I had a good weekend. Uh, it was, I can't even remember what happened, so it must have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, well, I went ahead and hit record just telling our, our listeners. I went ahead and did that because Kurt said, wait, my fun fact isn't very fun. And so I was just going to go ahead and hit record before he had time to to get something fun. Uh, he gets all the laughs anyway. Everybody knows he's way more fun uh, than I am. But Kurt... Okay, I, wow, what I, an I think, Eeyore comment. <laughs> um, you're way more fun than me. Okay, Kurt, you're going to like this. Um, I think uh, I've come to see your logic on the whole fun fact debate. Okay, okay. For, for our listeners, those who have been with us, uh, know Kurt and I have had a little bit of some back and forth about fun fact. And it's not that I don't agree with the definition or the uh, the concept, the idea of, of a fun fact. When... when I came up with the idea to have a fun fact segment. I was saying, hey, let's have the fact be about, you know, related to the topic somehow. Um, Kurt says, no, that's impossible to whatever we're talking about to find a fun fact uh, related to that. So he just says yeah, because it should be a random fun fact, you know, random yeah, fact. In my, in my defense, what if we talk about some really serious issue? Like how are we going to have a Like if we had a – we wouldn't have a fun fact about abortion or suicide or any like. How could you have a fun fact about that? So well, let me just kind of random. maybe push back on that and say uh, we won't say any names here. But uh, you and I have talked about some comedians, and part of the reason why their bits are funny is because they're discussing controversial topics. But they're getting right up along you know the line before they cross it, and they're trying to make it humorous. So. I think it's yeah, possible. But, they, but by the time you by the time you hear that, they've tried that really po- and done really poorly like thousands of times. So it's a really well crafted joke when they do it. But um, are you conceding my point there? into that territory. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. But just to, to push back on the impossibility of having a fun fact about something serious. Okay, so my fun fact, Kurt. <laughs> uh huh. Um, mosquitoes. Oh, my word. <laughs> Kill more humans than any other animal every year, more than sharks, snakes, lions. And the reason I shared that is I actually Googled the definition for fun fact, and that's the example they give. <laughs> There's nothing less fun than than Googling the definition of fun fact. I, know. I knew you were going to make fun of that. That's why I went ahead and just went all the way down this. I knew it was just going to set you up. Uh, for that, because the definition is a tidbit of interesting or entertaining trivia. Mm. Yep. Okay. <laughs> nice. That's not the, that's that not is, that is that is fun, John. <laughs> Look, that's not my real fun fact, by the way. I just wanted to uh, read you're, that. What are you scrolling through some more? You no, no, I've got it. I've, I, I actually have it ready, and I'm gonna wait okay. for some reason. I'll tell you, but you go first with your fun fact. That's fine. Okay, so. I don't know if anyone that listens to our podcast listens, pays attention to college football at all, but a couple weeks ago there was a game between uh, LSU and Texas. It was their second game of the year, respectively, for each one of them. And it's now come out. It was at Texas, and it's now come out that um, – and it was very hot because it was in September. It's now come out that Texas did not provide air conditioning for the visitor's locker room 
um, <laughs> for LSU that they had to. Uh, that's not my fun fact. That is like borderline criminal. Um, the uh, and Texas ended up losing the game, so even when they cheated, um, they can't they can't win. So, haha! If you're a Texas fan, sorry, but you're not back, and you'll never be back, and you're always oh, overrated. Anyway, whoa, whoa, moving on. Whoa. Shots <laughs> and, uh, fired. Whoa, shots fired. But that's not even what I want to talk about. Um, that's that is kind of adjacent to my real fun fact, which is this: is that they did interviews. Uh, of coaches about the worst locker room, visitor locker room they've ever been in. And there's a really funny video on ESPN, and I'm going to send John the link so you can see it, where Mike Leach, who's the head coach of Washington State, and is also one of the funniest head coaches, he talks about the worst locker room that he'd ever been in as a visitor. And guess who it was? It was Mississippi State, my alma mater, who had the worst visiting locker room. And he went on to describe it, and he said that there were (laughs) – that you know, instead of lockers, they were just 37. He said he counted. This is one of his assistant coach at Kentucky. He said there were just 37 nails nailed into the concrete <laughs> to hang things. He said there were two toilets with no divider, just and one roll of toilet paper in between the two toilets. Like they were right beside each other, like a love seat. Yeah. Well, he said I mean, what just, if you want to have a conversation? You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's just being thoughtful. Anyway, he, he does it better than I do, but I commend it to you. Uh, I was really proud of our university for that. Um, it, he did have air conditioning, so it wasn't like subhuman, but it was just kind of like, hey, you're coming and you're probably going to beat us in football, but you're not going to be comfortable while you do it. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So two, that was kind of two things, Kurt, before we wrap this up first, yeah. as you were saying all that, I did go and look at our, our listeners and, and Texas is the number four state on downloads. Nice. So we just lost all those people who are Texas yeah. fans. Thanks for that, Kurt. Uh, I bet there's a lot of Texas so, A&M fans and Baylor fans and be, Houston yes. fans yes. and TCU fans. Okay. Keep going. SMU fans. And rice. (laughs) Okay. Southern. North Texas. So (laughs) I keep opening my mouth. (laughs) Just to see if Kurt will talk when I'm trying to talk. Uh, For those who can't see the video. Kurt, did you say, just because I missed it at the beginning, did you say, I mean, going back to LSU, Texas, it was intentional? Or was there just some freak thing where the AC broke? Well, the article... No, the article I read was is that uh, they had played Louisiana Tech the week before Texas had at home, and Louisiana Tech actually called LSU, which is kind of interesting, and was like, hey, there was no air conditioning in the locker room, so wow. be ready for that. And so LSU brought, like, big fans That's what I was because they were you. expecting it. Hmm. Um, but uh, anyway – Interesting. Uh, I just thought that was. I just the real fun fact is listening to Mike Leach talk about how terrible Mississippi State's visitor locker room was. So that's that's <laughs> the. It was it was. He's pretty good and he's pretty funny. So that's my fun fact. All right, great. Well, here's my real fun fact, Kurt. Okay, and this is going to be quick because we're at seven minutes and we're going to get into the contact the, the content of today's episode. The fun fact is today we have our first guest on the season of on season four of Parenting Today. And his name is Phil Etheridge. We're going to introduce him in just a minute. But the fun fact is he was referenced in season two of this podcast. So those of you who have been with us and have listened to every episode, season two, episode 15.1, where we were talking about Avengers Endgame. We actually had Joe Deegan on that. Uh, Phil was referenced on that podcast. And so 
Um, we can we can talk about why he was referenced when we introduce him, but that's my fun fact that uh, he was referenced. I'm sure all everyone the way back in season that. two. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, the diehard fans. I definitely, I definitely remember it, and I'm not <laughs> wrecking my brain trying to think about it right now. <laughs> all right, look, here's Joe Deegan, and we'll get into our topic for today. All right, everybody, we are back, and I'm here with Kurt, and as I said, Phil Etheridge is with us. Phil, how's it going? It's going good. How are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast today. And, and seriously, I, I don't know. I know the two of you went to Mississippi State. Did both of you overlap together? We did. Okay. When did so, you finish, Kurt? Uh, I finished in 2002. Really? That's mm-hmm. when I graduated. We must have. We must have been there. I started in. So I graduated high school in '97. Oh yeah, Phil's a year older than me. But yeah. I co-opted yeah. that. That kept me there one more year. So mm-hmm. okay, so we graduated. So, okay. Yeah. So Phil. Phil is an engineer. So and the way the engineering program works at state, not to bore people, but they they they're there and then they leave and then they're there and then they leave and you know it's kind of crazy. But they end up like making a lot of money all the time so <laughs> phil is like filthy rich it'll he's, shoot me he's actually just got piles of money behind him and he's just making it right, yeah. right now that's why I, that's why i blurted out behind me didn't want y'all to yeah. tell us smoking a cigar with a lit dollar bill um it's a hundred dollar yeah time. that's true um so look uh phil I, I referenced the fun fact that you were on episode 15.1 uh you were referenced why don't you just remind people what was that reference well, I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to defend myself, John, because that reference was in, uh, <laughs> you guys were talking about memes and somehow got on the topic of, uh, I guess, Kurt, you referenced, there's some soap opera who keeps dying all the time. Uh, I think his name is Stefano. And I was, I was driving, I remember driving in my truck, listening to that. And I was talking to the radio. I was like, yeah, it's Stefano Demera. <laughs> I, like, I can't believe I just said that out loud. But, um, but anyway, that, that actually goes back to my time at Mississippi State. One of my roommates, uh, Chuck Askew, who's a RUF campus minister at uh, NC State and Meredith in uh, North Carolina. But uh, he and I were, were roommates at the time. And, and at lunch, uh, I had a break. My schedule was where I, at, at lunch I would come home. I'd go to class in the morning, come home for lunch, and I would grade papers. We didn't have cable. The only thing that came on, and still, as far as I know, that comes on just the antenna or soap operas. And so we would turn on days of our lives would come on after the, the 12 o'clock news, just, it would, it would blend right in. And so we'd sit there and kind of watch it and mock it. And before you know it, you start following the plot. <laughs> and, it was like, and it was fun, but at the same time, like, I've got to stop watching this. But yeah, Stefano has been on there. I think he's dead now, but I mean, the, well, or is he, but, um, yeah, that's the question. He died quite a few times, but no, the actor, I think passed away in, in real life. So anyway, maybe now it's all CGI and he comes back, but, so, I have not watched it still, since college. Didn't you tell me you were in some context at some workroom or something like that, and you overheard a bunch of people talking about it, and you were able to chime in? They were shocked. Wasn't it some females so talking that, about it and just shocked you knew as a, a male? That's right. That's right. So I, I used to work at a software company here called Bombgar, and and I was in the break room with, with my Bombgar friends, and um, there were a couple of ladies who were just were talking about soaps. And I kept hearing a couple of names. I'm like, oh, so apparently those folks are still on the show. 
and you know they're they're sitting there chit chat, and I think I was getting in to get coffee or something to drink, and I just didn't say anything because you know didn't want to butt in. But there was a there was a perfect lull in the conversation where I was like, well, you know, instead, and I just I just kind of dropped something. They all just sort of turned and looked at me like, you watch this? And I was like, I think I'm I think I'm done here. <laughs> just sort of so it's it's little things like that where you know maybe there's not a whole lot of worth to to watching days of our lives, but it's kind of fun to make a connection. So oh yeah, anyway, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of one of those. Is Days of Lives the one that had the hourglass? Oh, yeah. Still does. Intro. Okay. Mm. I, I remember that one, and I remember The Young and the Restless, because it was like a white background with red writing. I was like, um. <laughs> it's vague. Uh, it's vague. I mean, the only time I've ever watched soap operas, I didn't um, get into them ironically at any point. But uh, I, when I remember, they would come on, like, like, they would be on the television. I guess my mom watched them when I was little. So that's the only time I remember them. I wasn't really paying attention. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in today, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Parenting Today. Um, no, uh, we're not just going to be talking about um, soap operas. There was no easy segue there, so I just thought that would be a break for us. <laughs> we we did have uh, – we, we reached out to Phil to see if he would be willing to come on the show today and talk about adoption. Um, Phil, we're going to get him to share his story with us. Um, and yeah, just tell us about, you know, your, your family, how many children you have, all that stuff. But we're, we're going, going to talk about adoption and, uh, maybe, you know, a candid look at adoption. We could say, I mean, there, there's going to be, I mean, just as, you know, parenting, uh, any children, um, you know, whether they are, are own biological children or adopted, there's going to be some behind the scenes that sometimes don't get discussed. Uh, we know that uh, there, there's yeah going to be all sorts of challenges. And so uh, Phil, is, uh, he shares just the, 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 the beauty of the adoption process, but then also uh, some of the um, perspective that we don't always hear, we don't always get. Uh, so anyway, Phil, we appreciate you being willing to come on and, and talk with us a little bit. Uh, why, why don't you just begin there? Tell us a little bit about your family and then uh, tell us the, the story of the adoption process, please. Yeah. Well, well, well thanks. Yeah. I, I, again, I just appreciate the, the opportunity to share. Um, so a little about me. I'm, I am married to uh, my high school sweetheart. Uh, her name is Maggie. We started dating. Our, our first official date was our ninth grade graduation dance. So wow. we go way back. Um but uh, so yeah, we've we've been married since '02, and uh, we have four kids. Uh, I have one son who's 14; he'll be 15 in October. So he is almost as tall as I am. That's kind of a new odd thing to to admit. But uh, and then I have three girls. Uh, they are 11, nine, and four. Uh, the nine-year-old is our adopted child, and um, so that's it's a fun mix for sure. But um, uh, born and raised from Jackson. You know, lived here all my life, but um, but and, you know, John, we know each other, I guess, from from Pear Orchard. So mm-hmm. we served on the session together, and Kurt, you and I obviously knew each other at Mississippi State. But um, um, so yeah, that's that's me. I guess our, I'll start a little bit back um, when when Maggie and I had when we first had our, our first two kids. Um, you know, both biological uh, kids. We we felt all right. We have a we have a son. We have a daughter. You know, we're we're done. We have a nice healthy round balanced family you know what else could you could you want um and and that was it we really we really felt like we were we were finished having kids 
Um, and I don't remember exactly what year it was, but um, there's a there's a missionary that our church has supported for years, and at a missions festival, um, she came and spoke. Her name's Michelle Malley. She's done uh, work with uh, orphans in Ukraine for gosh, I think all of her adult life, and and. Yeah, uh, it, it's she is um, such a servant. Anytime you get an email from her, it's just like brace yourself for tears. It is rough, and she just goes and goes and goes, and it's such an example. Um, but she came to our missions festival one year. We heard her speak, um, and Maggie really, her heart was just pricked with uh, with her um, story and with the the pictures of the children that she's so good at, at sharing with everyone. Just just pray for this kid. Here's his name. Here's his story, and here's a couple things to pray about. And so um, Maggie just, something really clicked with her. Her heart was really heavy about it. And then the funny thing that started happening is she started to read books mm-hmm. about adoption. She got a couple from our church library. She actually went to the, the, the city library and, and got a couple books about adoption. And what's funny is, you know, kind of early on in our marriage, she might have read something and she put it on my bedside table or on my pillow. And I'd come home and be like, are you giving me instructions to read this? You don't do that. You know, it was just one of those early, you know, newly fights that we had. But in this case, she was reading all these books and she was hiding them from me. Hmm. Um, and I did, I don't know how long she was doing that, but I remember you know, digging through something. I came across this book and I'm like, where did this come from? And I, and, and I realized, oh, she's reading this. And I'm like, and my knee jerk reaction was, what do you want me to read this? For? <laughs> and I was like, no, wait a minute. This is kind of tucked away. And I just kind of softened my heart. And I was like, okay, that's, what's going on here? So, so we talked about, it. we went to dinner and just kind of was like, what's going on? And, and she just, she kind of shared, she's like, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I can't stop thinking about adoption. And I was like, great. What does that mean? And I thought we were done having kids and you kind of have to sort of rethink and reframe everything. And, and, and for a while, for several months, I was like, you know, Maggie, I, I appreciate that. And I love that your heart is heavy for him. I just don't feel that way. And, and she was like, I know, and that's fine. She was so gracious and and patient. And she, and so both of us were just kind of praying, you know, Lord, if this is what you're calling us to do, great, make it clear. But if it's not, if it's just a passing thing, please take this away. And, um, and, and so when we, when we kind of had that, that conversation a couple of times, um, you know, I was like, look, I, I love adoption. We'll be happy to support it. You know, if we can fund it in some way, let's do it. Let's help people go do it. We, we don't, we don't need to bring any more kids in. And then a funny thing started happening with my heart, and it was I started seeing adoption everywhere in my daily devotions. It kept being this application of adoption. I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, we're we're all adopted, you know, into God's kingdom. Um, and then even in these obscure ways, I just kept seeing adoption come up, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Then I'd hear it like in just driving in my car, a radio commercial would come on, and I would hear some kind of I'm like, what is going on? Everywhere I looked. And, and God was just like chasing me down. And I finally, uh, I remember one afternoon, I was like, okay, I was in the middle of a meeting and, and it had kind of come up. And then I left the meeting, went to my office, closed the door, and I called Maggie and said, we got to talk again. This <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> so that was kind of how I was was um, spurred on to really you know, pursue it. Um, so in, in that case, Maggie Maggie was first and and, um, and I kind of followed along begrudgingly. But, um, hey. but when... Phil, yes. just to jump yeah, yeah. in, just as far as timeline here, how old were your children, your other two children, when when you kind of started to come around to this idea? Wilson was, um, so my son was probably five or six, um, and then and then Miller's three years, or two or three years younger than him, um, so, you know, she was three, I think. Okay. 
uh, at the time. So yeah, so little kids, you know, and that was the thing too. It was like we, we we're at that phase of life. We're bringing another small kid. I mean, not that it matters. You, you welcome a kid at any time in your life. The Lord brings them to you. So um, but it just felt like we're already in the thick of, of raising small kids. You know, it's not going to be that much of an adjustment and, and that kind of thing. And so um, it was all I'd say, you, it's funny, you kind of put up and not just with adoption, a lot of things in life, you kind of put up these these walls and like, all right, God, knock this one down. And then sometimes, and in, in this case for us, he was like, boom, 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 what else you got? And um, and, and so anyway, that was that was uh, that was it. So all right, fine, I, I, I yield. You know, let's let's just go figure out what this is. You know, and maybe that and that was kind of the next big thing we put up was. Um, all right, let's see how expensive it's going to be. Let's see how hard it's going to be. Do we even qualify? And so let's just let's just sit down with an agency and 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 talk and just kind of understand what this is, and then we'll understand why we're not really called to do this. <laughs> and we sat down, and I mean, and it was just funny because doors just came wide open. It was like, why aren't you going through these? And that was kind of the shift. And um, you know, it was like I've, I've got I've got the ability, I've got the house for it, I have the resources to support this. Why wouldn't I do this? And so. Um, uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of it. And then really, once we started that journey, that, that phase of the journey, nine months later, we were on a plane headed to Seoul, Korea to, to bring our, our, our daughter home. So um, so I guess the takeaway there is women, be patient with your husband, pray for them. Uh, but, uh, you know, don't you don't have to control or make them do anything, but but hang in there with them and, and keep praying for them like, like Maggie did for me. And the Lord will do a work in them. So in his time. Man, awesome story, and I know there there are more details to that as just your adventure in, in Seoul, um, as you, you've shared that with with me before. But that's awesome just to, to see the the length of time that that encompassed of, of your life, and just uh, slowly considering it, slowly praying about it, slowly having conversations there. And it's it's it is. Can I ask a, It's encouraging to hear. Can how ask a question about that. Yeah. It's, so I was listening to all that. So give me like a general or an estimated timeline, Phil, between when you found that book to when you were in Seoul, Korea, adopting your daughter. Like 18 18 months. 18 months. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that did move. That's that's fast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's kind of, that's a good question, Kirk, because I get maybe what you're kind of getting at is, I mean, you hear of a lot of folks who adopt from China or Ethiopia and they get on these waiting lists and they may be five years before they're even placed with the child. And so that's, that's, um, you know, if you want to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of adoption, that, that can get, um, that can be a, a whole series. <laughs> there probably are podcasts dedicated to that alone, but each country is going to be different. Each process is going to be different. Um, you know, the one question that used to come was like, why in the world Korea I actually had that the other day. Someone said, well, how did you adopt from Korea? And, um, a lot of that's personal. A lot, I mean, in, um, and I don't mean that like I'm not going to tell you, but I, for, I think for everybody who's on a, on, on an adoption journey, um, you know, it's, um, in, in a lot of cases you're not eligible to adopt because you mean, in our case, there were some countries that were completely closed because we already had two kids. And in some cases, because we already had a boy and a girl, um, some places would say, okay, if you have two, that's fine, but you can only adopt one of the other sex, uh, you know, one way or the other. And, Huh. Uh, which is which is is weird. It's really really weird. But uh, do you know the rationale behind that? I don't. I think I, and and that was one of the things too. Is you you quickly 
back up a little bit. John, you and I have talked about this before, just in, in personal conversation, where there's there's things in life like if you you know if you're being called to be an officer in your church, for example, I think that's where it first came up with us, and and you're kind of weighing like should I do this or not? I don't know. And then when you if you if you go through the training or whatever, and it's like all of a sudden this spiritual warfare just comes on you. You feel like you're walking around with a target. Just when you become a Christian, you just become a target. And adoption is absolutely one of those things. I think I think Satan hates it. I think he the last thing that he wants uh, an orphan child to, to have is a loving Christian home. And so there's a lot of attack that, that kind of comes in. And so one of the ways I think, I, this is my belief, one of the things that manifests is through stupid red tape in countries. I mean, for crying out loud, there's over 200 million children that need homes. I mean, you hear that number, it's almost, you know, it's getting close to the population of the United States. <laughs> 200 million orphan children that need homes, you know, and, and that was kind of one of the things I was like, why can't we just bring one home, you know, and we can do our part. But, um, but anyway, it's, it's, there's a reason for that. And, and, and it, get, it can get ugly into, and there's, there's a whole underbelly of, of human trafficking and just awful stuff that you kind of, your eyes are open to as you go through this and you're like, oh my gosh, you kind of urge, it's like, please, let's hurry up and get this done. And what else do you need to know about my life? You've seen my finances. You've investigated my home. You've, you've seen my background check. Please tell me we're okay. If we're not, who is? <laughs> anyway, so there's, there's, well, um, it's, it's tough. So you mentioned, I mean, I know, I'm, I know we're going to get into the, we're, we're not just going to talk about the nuts and bolts of adoption, but I, I, I as someone, I, I am interested in some of these things. I think some people who listen to the podcast might be interested in these things too. It's like, um, Talk to me about the differences between do- adopting a child, um, time-wise, expense-wise, these kind of things. Talk to me about the differences between adopting a child from a foreign country versus, uh, you know, our country versus the United States. Um, and I don't even—you might not even know this, but I'm curious about it. And like, uh, you know, you say like some places the waiting is really longer. Could you like tell us like? Like where it's really long and where it's really short and what's the difference between the United States and then – because I think some people, a natural question they ask is be like, um, why would you adopt a child from South Korea? You know, there's children here, you know, mm-hmm. in the United mm-hmm. States. So so yeah. t- talk to me through how y'all – I mean, I'm not trying to like pry in any way. I no, guess no. I am kind of tr- trying to pry <laughs> a little bit, but like – but I, I I think people have those kind of questions like what what's your thought process when you're doing something like that? Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that question because I think I think you're right. I think even and, and, and if I'm completely honest, I mean, I even had that question. So, um, you know, one of the first things, like I said, we were kind of I was putting, you know, walls up to and, and daring God to, to knock them down. And one of those was, um, all right, well, well, obviously we're not, you know, let's let's keep it reasonable. Let's let's. You know, let's let's focus on on local adoption or domestic adoption, and um, um, that's that's really where it kind of gets personal. There's a lot of things that every single family is going to have to answer differently. Um, what we had to take into consideration is um, is a couple of things. First, I, I live in Mississippi. Uh, mm-hmm. I I am a white male. Um, my all my at that time, my whole family we were all white folks. And um, we're not anymore. We're now a blended family, but or a conspicuous family is the I think the official term, um, which is a whole thing to kind of get used to. But um, really, that's what yeah. it's called a conspicuous family. Yeah, because you go out in public and it's like, well, clearly that one's adopted. You know, that's one of those things. Ah, uh, okay. It's like, okay, yeah, great. It's not always on the top of your mind, but it, it, it does take some kind of it's kind of jarring. But anyway. For for us, you know, we were just trying to figure out how do you start this journey and. 
one of the best pieces of advice that we got was just start with an agency. Just try to find an agency to, mm. that, you, that you feel okay. comfortable with. And I was like, well, shouldn't they all? And sure enough, you know, we found a couple, you know, kind of whittled it down to, I think, three. And one of them just really didn't, I wouldn't say it gave me the heebie-jeebies, if I can, maybe that's the first time y'all have used that term on this podcast. But there was one that just didn't quite feel right. Some of the ways that they were they were sharing um, children's profile information, uh, nothing, you know, super personal or scary, but just like, did you need us to sign something before you gave us that? Um, the others were much more careful about it. And I just appreciated their, their sensitivity to the confidentiality of family information. So, uh, so we, we, we kind of tossed one out quickly. Uh, the other one was in Eugene, Oregon. We we're like, yeah, I'd rather just work with a local company. So Bethany Christian Services, which I think they've changed names now, uh, had a local chapter. And that's who we went and sat down with and just said, all right, we, we feel comfortable with y'all. Let's talk. And so, um, uh, and and then we we talked about domestic adoption. Sorry, let me bring it back to being a white guy. And that's most of the children in Mississippi uh, at, at that time who were eligible for adoption were either in, in foster care, which is a whole different thing um, that that we didn't feel right. like we we wanted to navigate. We just we just didn't feel like we had the the time really to kind of to get into that. Um, uh, or you, could, you know, the ones that were readily available were were mostly African American kids. And we were like, great, that's awesome. We had to honestly weigh what would our family do? And would this child um, suffer coming into our family um, by, by being a part of our family? And, and just by their mere presence and what would that do? Or, or could they truly feel loved and part of the entire family? Uh, and that's hard. I mean, that's hard for me to admit. And, but, but we just felt really nervous about what that might do to the, to larger family. And so it's heartbreaking. I mean, those are the kinds of decisions that you have to, you know, maybe they're really more closed or discussion, but that's a real thing that you have to think about. And it's, it's just an ugly reality of the world that we're in. And we had to sit here and think, okay. And then the hard thing too, is we knew people who had done that and, and we, we, man, that's so cool. That's awesome. Um, but it's, it's hard, not, not just for us, for our family, but also for the child, primarily for the child. Um, and, and I can't speak to this because we've not adopted an African-American kid, but certainly I've, I've got friends who have, uh, who are a blended family and, and they've also spoken to, and that's, it's their story to tell, you know, just, it's, it's funny. They kind of get it from, from both sides. They may go to a place that's predominantly African-American and they kind of get looks, not always, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm generous either generalizing here, but, um, but it is tough. And I'm not saying that it isn't worth it and that you can't do it, but you have to be able to be very honest with yourself. Like, can you, uh, emotionally, spiritually, are you strong enough to handle this? And are you being called to do this? And so, um, you want to say yes so bad to every kid, but you have to say no to so many. And it, that is tough. And that's probably the first big thing where you're looking at like, wow, adoption is amazing, but it's ugly. You know, this part of it's really, really hard. Um, so the, to, to finish our story, I guess we, we, um, we had this brochure from Bethany and they had, here's all the countries that they work with. They don't work with every country that's, that's possible. You, that's another way you can kind of whittle down, which, um, if you, if you feel called to a specific mm-hmm. country, not all agencies serve them. And so they had this brochure and me like a, like a jerk, I'm looking down, okay, where's the price list? And I'm going down like, Hey, we're definitely not going there. That's too expensive. Mm-hmm. And I remember the most expensive one was South Korea. I was like, scratch that off the list. And so as we go through all the qualifications, it was like, probably not, probably not, probably not, probably not. And, um, and then I was like, but Korea is wide open. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. But then <laughs> like, like all another these... another wall the Lord's knocking down. Yeah, that's I'll show it. you. Well, 
That's right. And then another funny one was, I was like, there's no way we're going to afford this. Um, at, at Baumgar at the time, um, when we had said, all right, Lord, we trust you. We're going to do this. We don't know how this is going to work out. About a month later, uh, our, our CEO, Joel Baumgar, he said, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're revamping the benefits. We're doing these things. And we have this new $10,000 adoption credit. You know, just if you want to <laughs> adopt, here's 10000 I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, uh, so just things came around. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It just made everything so obvious that we were being called to do it so um so anyway that was it was just neat to go all right and just one step at a time you just keep following the lord like i don't know how this is going to work out but i trust you and it, it's it really drove me closer and closer and, and strengthened my faith in so many ways mm. so that's yeah, a really good answer <laughs> yeah look that's, no, that's perfect awesome and so encouraging to hear that story it's uh, i appreciate you yeah sharing all that with us i think this is a good stopping point and thursday we can pick up obviously more of a Phil story and get into some of the questions that Phil has has gotten that are you know questions that are not helpful to those of us who those who are listening can just be educated on maybe some things not to ask uh, for of family. John, John will be asking all the unhelpful questions, <laughs> and it'll be all unintentionally. I'll just be asking him like a moron and. Phil, so yeah, tune in so you can hear Phil educate me on uh, what to say and what not to say. Um, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into some other things as well. So be sure to tune in and remember uh, we begin with our Thursday's thoughts. I know Kurt loves that title, so I just had to put that in. But Phil, it's awesome having you with us. I uh, really appreciate your story again and looking forward to talking more on Thursday. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys.